Hey, and welcome back to Movie Hell. This time, my co-host Joe and I, Ryan, will be discussing the Wes Anderson movie, The Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah, we Isn't... just got done watching it. It was uh, it was an experience. Yeah, not really a lot to say for an intro. It's an interesting movie. I really enjoyed it. I, As I'm thinking about it afterwards, just a little bit of time that we've had between watching it and right now, I'm trying to figure out some sort of thing in it, some parts, some scene, something that a character did that I didn't like that I could nitpick on or, but I don't know if I can, like I liked all just pretty much everything about this movie. The, the acting was on point. It was really, really good. Cinematography was really nice. The way the story just rolled from one thing to another. I didn't know. Besides the previews that I saw years ago, I guess, when it came out. Yeah, 2014. I hadn't seen it, and you wanted to watch it because you really enjoyed this movie. So I'm like, yeah, let's let's watch that. I I didn't really know what to expect. I thought it was... And it was kind of a comedy. It's a li- Yeah, it's kind of absurd. It yeah. deals with serious topics, but it does have a lot of scenes and behaviors and things like that that are just... They're really funny, especially in context, like certain scenes where it's really serious and then something bizarre happens that completely fits the situation. Absolutely. And it's it's great to not let it get too heavy. We were talking before we started recording about the style of it, how everything is framed in such a deliberate way. And I think the cinematography is beautiful in this movie. It is really nice. I really, really like all the scenes. I like the way everything is lit. I love the steady shots from in front of vehicles and things like that in front of um, the taxi in the scene where Mr. Gustav and Zero are going to the mansion. I like, you know, where you're looking at Willem Dafoe's character riding that motorcycle and it's a camera mounted in front of the bike looking at him. And it's, I guess they're like establishing shots or to show you the world or something like that. You know, there are similar scenes in Tarantino movies, which is why I brought him up. Like how it's similar in the way it takes its cinematography and establishing shots and transitions so seriously. And they're, they all so perfectly fit the movie. But how drastically different these two directors are. Like how bizarre it would be to see a version of this movie done by Tarantino. He could absolutely do it. It's right in his wheelhouse in terms of the type of story they're telling the types of characters that are in it, the bizarre events that keep happening. But I'm really glad he didn't do it. Yeah, really, like (laughs) really glad for sure. Wes Anderson was definitely the way to go with this. I thought it was interesting that it was in the very beginning, how it starts this author uh, is recounting a story of a story that was recounted to him. Mm-hmm. That that's how they do that. That he starts talking and then it becomes Jude Law, his character, who is playing a younger version of this author. Yeah. Yeah, it's Tom Wilkinson, who, if I'm not mistaken, played Don Falcone in Batman Begins. Is that why I recognize Yes. Yeah, yeah that's why he, I recognize him. He plays him, him okay. in, I think it's in 1985, and then they rewind to 1968, and it's Jude Law. Same, yeah. Same character, though. Mm-hmm. 
but <sighs> the uh, there's so many people in this. Yeah, yeah, there's a ton, and that was. Uh, I watched this movie like you were saying, like you don't know really what to expect. Um, I think it came up on a streaming service that I had back when I was living alone, and it was just like an evening where I had nothing better to do. And I remember texting with somebody I worked with. You know, she texted me. She's like, "What are you doing?" Like, I'm I'm bored and I have nothing to do as well. What are you doing? Like, looking for a suggestion. And I was like, oh, I decided to watch The Grand Budapest Hotel. It's available on whatever it was that I was watching it on. I don't remember. It was probably 2016-ish that I watched it. Okay. And I was just texting her like, oh, my God, Jude Law's in this. Ralph Fiennes is in this. You know, I'm, I'm looking at the list here. Adrian Brody, Willem Dafoe, Jeff Goldblum. Like, this huge cast. And she's like, why have I never heard of this movie? Like, this is amazing. I was like, Ed Norton is in this. Yep. She's like, okay. That's what we're doing tonight. Thanks. I'm watching this. <laughs> but yeah, it all over. I mean, and even smaller bit parts like um, Bill Murray mm-hmm. shows up as a concierge of another hotel. Owen Wilson. Yeah. He's <laughs> it, I, I remember seeing the previews for it thinking, oh, this looks really fun. It's like a unique thing to watch. And I just never got around to doing it. Mm-hmm. So when you suggested it, I was like, yes, let's absolutely watch that. I wanted to. It was something I wanted to. To watch. It might even be on my list of movies. I might have thrown it on that. I'll be able to mark it off now. But everybody, every performance in this, from the people you don't know to all the actors that we listed that you do know, they're they're fantastic. They do such a good job of pulling you into this world that has been created. Mm-hmm. Uh, telling this story. And in the beginning, I'm trying to figure out what is this? Is there a story or is it, or is it just, I get to watch these people having some sort of <laughs> misadventures and enjoy the acting and directing cinematography, just, just that extra stuff. But no, it ended up was an interesting story. Uh, I like the things that happened in it. I just realized what I'm, I'm what I'm looking up on my phone over here. Uh, Madame shit. What's her name? It said Madam D, but it's yeah, Madam D. Yeah, that's what it was. Uh, I knew she looked really familiar to me, but Madam D was played by Tilda Swinton. I wondered. Yeah, I knew. It's like this person looks like somebody I should know. It's the eyes, the way the cheeks are, you know, all that. That's who I thought of, but then I looked at it again, and I'm like, yeah, the makeup was so heavy. It It looked so real. It did. That was well done. Yeah, for those of you who may not know off the top of your head, Tilda Swinton is the one who played. Gabriel in Constantine or mm-hmm. the ancient one in Doctor Strange. Like, she's all over. Yep. But yeah, that was her. <laughs> I mean, another <laughs> uh, how many years after seeing it for the first time and I'm discovering people I didn't realize were in it. That's who I thought that reminded me of. But when it went back, I'm like, that doesn't. I didn't even consider the fact that it could have been really well done makeup. I'm like, oh, she just kind of reminds me of her. Mm-hmm. Huh. I guess there's a reason for that. Yeah. Yeah. So, like you're saying, it's such an interesting movie and there's so much going on and it feels like a real world in in that it's not like 3,000 Miles to Graceland, which no. we just did, where you know what the story is. You know from the beginning scenes what's going to happen. Like, the first time you meet a character, oh, I, I can kind of predict how this is going to go. Another good movie, but it's um, a lot more straightforward. Mm-hmm. Where this one, 
I don't know. Even watching it again, and I'm not somebody who rewatches movies a lot because I like them to be kind of fresh. There's a lot that I didn't really remember in this one, and a lot that I did. But even so, it felt like I was on a ride with them. Like, I'm just seeing what happens next because nothing goes exactly the way you think it's going to. Like, as soon as the death of Madame D came up, which is in the first few minutes of the movie, you were saying, like, oh, I think this is going to happen next. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, you're on the right track, but it's not going to play out the way you think it is. And it absolutely didn't. That was really interesting how ultimately what I thought was going to happen happened. But how they went about it, how you got there, like, that was the story. Yeah. And it's, I think it's a case of the... Ah, uh, what's the what's the line? It's not it's not the destination; it's the journey. Mm-hmm. It's it's a movie like that. I really enjoyed uh, the kid who played the lobby boy. Yeah, zero. Yeah, zero. Hey. He killed it. He crushed it. Yeah, Tony Revolori. Let me look and see if he's actually been in anything else. I don't. He looks familiar. He did, but I was trying to... Oh, God, that's it. He plays Flash in the new Marvel Spider-Man movies. That's what I've seen him in. The one who's kind of a bully to Peter. Tom Holland's... Yes. Peter Parker. Okay. That's what it is. That's... uh, As soon as I went to bring it up, I realized, like, I know I've seen him someplace. Absolutely. That's that's what I'd seen him in as well. Which, really, him being Flash in those movies kind of threw me, because that's not generally the character who is portrayed as flash he's more mm-hmm. of a big jock kind of bully guy not just there's, there's nothing big and menacing about him at all he's also clearly a vampire Cle- clearly a vampire yeah because this movie i mean the one we just watched was from six years ago and he looks exactly the same today playing a high school kid yeah but in this movie he's like married like he, <laughs> yeah. he meets well, a it's chicken ni- gets married. It's 1932, so oh, they okay. get married after their third date and all that. <laughs> um, he he did a great job. He was so much fun to watch. I was really fun to watch uh, Ralph Ralph Fiennes. Fiennes' character teaching him how to you know become the next concierge. Mm-hmm. It's like this is you're starting with this is as he's. He gives him these directions. He's going to do this, and you're going to take this, and buy this candle, and do this thing, and take this change, and give it to that kid. <laughs> and then he's like, wait, who are you? Yeah. And it just, from there, and oh, well, this is going to be your little interview. And he just starts interviewing. Well, should I go do the? No, you come with me. And that whole thing, which is great. It was just fun to watch. Yeah, it's super fast-paced. It's really entertaining. It's really witty. Again, it's so perfectly and meticulously shot. And like other movies we've talked about, there's not a lot of waste here. No, no. Very, yeah, the very, only scenes you toy, can even say... toy movie. Toy, like a toyger. Like a toyger. <laughs> the only thing you could even maybe think approached waste is some of the... Like we're talking about these exterior shots or, you know, somebody walking somewhere or whatever. But they're all... They're just so cool. And, and nothing's extraneous. Like, even when they're in the museum and Jeff Goldblum's character is, like, turning and looking, like, the way he moves and the way the lighting is, you know, he turns at that one point and you can see the light just barely coming off of his glasses and it makes this really cool silhouette. Like, just so much care is taken in it, you Mm -hmm. know? And I've, 
I never studied film or anything. I never took like film appreciation or any of that stuff. But I did, you know, as you do for a business degree, focusing on entrepreneurship, you have to take art classes. <laughs> okay. So I had to take like these uh um like art history type classes where you would learn about different styles and how they did it and how everything's arranged and how the symmetry is supposed to be and where like your central lines are supposed to go and, and stuff like that. And this reminds me very much of like, you know, sort of medieval style art because everything is mo for the most part, the shots are perfectly framed. You know, there's, there are scenes where you see the elevator, but you're seeing it from inside. Like the elevator might be framed by pillars and you're seeing it from within a doorway and the doors are perfectly symmetrical then it turns and maybe the paintings on the wall or the ornamentation on the wall is exactly symmetrical and just so carefully laid out and that involves the set design the way they set all the shots up i mean just it just blows me away how carefully they had to arrange everything to get it looking the way they wanted to and to make it have this almost pastel color palette yeah, I have heard, I'm, I don't know a whole lot about Wes Anderson per se, but I've heard of directors who really take their time to figure out, to get the perfect shot of something, to they, they will take days worth of shooting, of getting things arranged just right, the lighting, the whatever, mm -hmm. and it, it felt a lot like that with this movie, Just but it's, yeah, I've so, also heard it's so hard to just focus on stuff like that in the movie because it's just going, going, going mm -hmm. like it's never, it's a non, it's almost just nonstop of things. One thing happens into another thing that happens like, Oh, and now we have to deal with this situation because something else, it was really fun like that, that it just kept, as we said, no waste. It just kept going and really just fun, fun yeah. way. They did a lot of it. Yeah. I was watching, um, Midnight's Edge or Nerdrotics or Critical Drinker or somebody talking about CW, like the CW Arrowverse, mm -hmm. and they were talking about how, you know, it's they're they're not particularly action heavy anymore. I think the I think Arrow was. I watched most of that, and I watched some of the others, but they said like now it's kind of devolved into like it's cheaper to have feelings. So they're saying like this scene is feelings in a hallway, feelings in an apartment feelings in an office like they're just sitting around like talking about stuff like they're saying in Batgirl it's it seems almost like a require I've not seen it can't confirm but they're saying it seems like it's almost a requirement that somebody has to cry in every episode mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I heard that as well <laughs> so it I like that they don't have any of that you know the emotion is reflected through these scenes you know you see Zero and Agatha's relationship established through not exactly a montage, but a set of scenes where you see how they behave around each other. You see that Zero's a slightly more out of sorts than normal because he's kind of nervous. He ruins the surprise that he's giving her this book. And, <laughs> you know, then the way they're behaving together when they're just like laying in bed together at Herr uh, Mendel's, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like they're in the building where I guess the business operates. So, so can I assume Herr Mendel's not her father? Yeah, that she just works. It was really that that was a weird relationship. I think I didn't I didn't quite understand it, but I didn't. I don't feel like I missed anything by not like I, I don't. 
It just kind of was what it was. Yeah, it's like Zero lived in the hotel. She lived in the bakery. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, almost, we're, we're not even talking really about the plot or anything like that. We're just talking about the spectacle of it. Yeah, like the, okay, one of our friends didn't want to watch us. We had originally planned to watch it one night. Uh, gonna, I was going to have some people over. And I was like, hey, you, you can just come over. Because we had to re-record the last podcast because of the technical difficulties. Mm-hmm. And I said, here, we'll just watch this that night with everybody here. Well, when she looked up kind of what it was going to be about, she she sends my girlfriend some quote about uh, Ralph Fiennes' character and taking care of all these old ladies. And I made the comment that, and having not seen it, like, well, I think it's more, that was more of a comedy idea than mm. Granny's Gone Wild. Yeah, it's a yeah, edition. it's a comedic <laughs> aspect of his duties at the Grand Budapest Hotel. It's I don't know what do they spend maybe a minute and forty five seconds or something on that. Yeah, totally. Like there's actual a thing where the author or not the author Zero is an older man mm-hmm. is explaining that. Part of the appeal of the Grand Budapest Hotel was Mr. Gustav as the concierge himself. Mm-hmm. And that he started to notice that these older, wealthy women came there specifically for him. And then they have this kind of set of clips that confirm that. Yeah, that was that was interesting. And at one point I said, <laughs> oh, so this movie really is about him banging all these old ladies. OK, interesting. I didn't I didn't know that that's I thought that was just kind of a. A thing that they threw in for fun, but no, it almost almost plot central to what was going on in this movie and how everything played out. I was like, oh, it kind of okay. established. It does, I guess it kind of does establish the nature of the relationship between uh, Madame D mm-hmm. and Mister Gustav. But yeah, it, it's not a bad thing. No, he's not doing anything wrong. He's just. Doing what he can to please his guests. Absolutely. Like you were saying, like, oh, this guy's like Lex Luthor from Superman <laughs> Returns, just less evil. But it's like, no, nah, he's not evil at all. He's just, no. he's doing his job. He takes it very seriously and he seems to enjoy it. Yeah. I don't, I don't feel like he was breaking up any marriages or now there's a scene with Edward Norton's character and talks about he, that he knew Gustav. 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 Um, he that that he knew him as a boy. Yeah, that and, he was very kind to him when he was a lonely young boy or something like that. Right, but he tells him, "Oh, your your mother was great." Like he knew his parents. Yeah, like his parents came and stayed there, and so it was the only thing that was brought up that might have led you to believe that he he was just there to take care of some ladies and husbands be damned, kind of thing. But otherwise, it was just felt like. Old ladies, their husbands had died, didn't have, weren't around, didn't have them, yeah, whatever. And this guy and, was kind to of them, didn't really judge them, didn't mm-hmm. treat them in any way that maybe, I don't know. <clears throat> I can imagine that if you're in that kind of position at that stage in life, people might keep you in arms, at arm's length. And mm-hmm. he's certainly not doing that. He was not doing that. Very, very comforting. Like he likes... Isn't it doesn't need the finer cuts of meat? That's the thing is how he put it. Yeah, you have to move on to the cheaper cuts. That's what he said. I kind of prefer that. It's such a great quote, and the dialogue in this movie is brilliant. Oh, it's so it's good, so good, especially Jeff Goldblum's character. 
as the lawyer. Ugh. Not only is his delivery great because he's Jeff Goldblum mm-hmm. and his like very slow and deliberate hand motions where he's not even looking at what he's doing. Like nobody can see that I'm doing these motions to you, <laughs> but it, it's so good. And then the the word choices, it's like, oh man. And any of these could be like a word of the day. Right. The script writing in this was top notch. Yeah. It was so much fun to listen to, to pay attention to everything. One of the things I really like about when I read is I want to read a book that I need to have my dictionary next to me because I'm going to come up with words, come up against words that I've never seen. Yeah. And I can kind of get context wise. I think I know what this means, but I want to stop, look it up. There were several times from the very outset of the movie as he's telling the story, Zero's telling the story about everything that's gone on and recounting everything. Just, I heard some words and I was like, well, what is that? And I'm like, I'm not going to pause this movie every five seconds just so I can look up whatever this word was. <laughs> yeah. But I felt like that. And I really enjoy that. I want to be challenged. Mm-hmm. I want to learn something that I didn't know before. Like, oh, that must be what that means. And it was just just fun to listen to. And the delivery from everybody who was in it. Like some of the characters we mentioned, uh, Adrian Brody. Mm-hmm. I almost felt like he was barely in it, but it was fun. The, the parts that he was in, was he made it fun. He's a really good bad guy. He's a good bad guy. I mean, and he's, I don't know, he's not exactly a bad guy. He's not exactly a good guy either. No, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's true. Well, uh, should we get into any spoilers or just let people watch this on their own? I don't know if I want to get into too yeah. many specific I mean, spoilers. I, I don't think there's anything too specific. I mean, Adrian Brody, as soon as you see him, the way he's dressed, the way he behaves, the way he holds himself, mm-hmm. like he's super entertaining, but it's clear that he's going to be a central part of this. Like, you know, as soon as accusations start flying about what was going on with Madame D and maybe it was a spoiler to say that she died in the first place, but she, I mean, it happens in the first, like, seven minutes of the movie. I don't know. It's real early on. Yeah. Like, it's the inciting incident. But, man, it's just so good. Like, I didn't expect to feel the way I do about it now. I didn't expect to like it more now than I did before. It, it's actually moved up on my list of favorites. It's, as I said, I I try. I'm looking for things to nitpick or that I didn't like, but... It was really good. Yeah, there are so many movies where we can nitpick, even good movies like the last one we watched, 3,000 Miles to Graceland. There are certain things about Kevin Costner's character that didn't make sense. You know, actions that people took that didn't really have any consequences that don't make sense. Inconsistent behavior. Courtney Cox, you know, ditching him and stealing the money and her kid because she loves him. And when he points out, you left your child with a stranger, she's like, I didn't leave him with a stranger. I left him with you. And it's like, well, what if that had worked? Then you don't have a kid anymore. You left him with the guy you were trying to get away from. Yeah, I don't, I don't like, understand, didn't, didn't understand that play at all. But yeah. this movie doesn't have any of that. No, there's, there's virtually nothing that doesn't make sense. Unless it's there for comedic purposes. Like, there are certain scenes where it's, like, like your girlfriend was saying, it's like almost animated. Mm-hmm. Or somewhere it clearly is actually like some kind of animation, the skiing, like chasing thing. <laughs> it was ridiculous. It, it looks like those little, uh, God, what are they called? The slot cars? That's yeah. kind of what it looks like to me. 
Okay. Now, there's there's a couple things I think that I could pick. I, I could pick at if I really wanted to. Um, there's a part that deals with being in prison mm-hmm. and having to break out of prison, uh, and the way they needed tools in order to dig mm-hmm. and to make something happen, and it shows. Uh, this just a small scene of the guard and packages are coming into the prison and he opens something up and he like wants a piece of bread and he slice, slice, yeah. pass it on to yeah, make making sure, sure there's cheese. nothing hidden in it. He's sticking like a knife in the poker in the cheese to make sure, nope, that's fine. And then he opens up this package from Mendel's yeah. and it's this beautifully done pastries, cookies looking things. And he, oh, well, I'm not going to destroy this. And he passes it on. Yeah. Nope. Nope, real guard, chop chop, and he he doesn't. It's going he's going to prisoners. He doesn't give a crap unless unless he's like, hey, you know what, this looks good. I'm gonna take this for myself. Like that's one of two things gonna happen. He's just gonna chop it and do his job, or he's like, oh, this looks delicious. I'm taking one of these. Nah, I mean it made sense to me. And the pastries are so small. It's like, what are they gonna hide in this? Because you mentioned mm-hmm. the tools that they sneak in are so tiny. Yeah, that and the tools that and they brought in. But like again, that's a comedic thing. Like the tools are tiny on purpose. The way they, the way they do everything they're doing in the prison break <laughs> scene, is like basically played for laughs. And uh, somebody we didn't mention who's in this, another great name, Harvey Keitel. Who was he? He was he was the prisoner, the bald guy. Oh 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 yes. Which when we were mm. watching it, uh, we were watching it on a streaming service. And we were having some connection issues, and so... It the, got blurry when it was on his scenes, yeah. Right. The first part, like, it, he was blurry, and it showed him for a second when they're all in their cell together. And I thought, is that... Was that Harvey Keitel? And then it goes back to it, and I'm like, yes, it was. And he was great. He was fun. So, except for that, it, that that was one thing that I think bothered me. I mean, I got it. I was like, oh, these are really small, and they're beautifully done. And it's done. a very well-known bakery in the area absolutely and so he just passes them along i don't think so i think a real guard chop chop there you go Mm -hmm. who cares that i cut your cookies you're going to be happy to be eating them anyways and so that is the only thing realistically that i could pick that didn't who cares that i cut your cookies sounds like a lyric (laughs) from a really not hardcore metal band (laughs) (laughs) A softcore metal band? Uh, if that's a thing, yeah, it might be. I think some some Christian metal bands. Might I take be considered that, on a, that. I take that on a T-shirt, like a very <laughs> aggressive red font. <laughs> All right, man, we'll make it happen. Get some T-shirts. Give us give us some merch. We need that. <sighs> but realistically, one thing to another, it's a lot. Some of it's slow. Some of it's fast paced. But everything works. Mm-hmm. so well together none of it ever feels like it drags none of it ever feels mm-hmm. rushed again a lot of it's done for comedic purposes the mm-hmm. are you mr gustav of the grand budapest hotel in naples bard uh-huh okay do this then another guy shows up are you mr mm-hmm. gustav of the grand budapest hotel in naples bard uh-huh do this <laughs> like to the end where he's like yes yes <laughs> he like cuts the guy off <laughs> it does he's it, it he he's as a character he's very reserved and proper. and proper and doesn't as as the concierge of this hotel he doesn't get rattled easily it would take a lot for that to happen because he has to deal with a lot mm-hmm. if you're running this huge hotel if you're doing that job like 
you need to be able to take a lot. I mean, yeah. and handle everything, handle everybody coming at you with all these things. And there were scenes of that as he's walking through with Zero in the beginning. And this guy said, that's like, those are perfect. Don't bother me with this right now. And as he's just walking along and he's handling all these things he as he ha- goes by. Yeah, he has almost a Robert Downey Jr., Sherlock Holmes level of intellect. Mm-hmm. An ability to handle multiple tasks or questions being thrown at him at once. But towards the end of it, as he's as he's so close to to finding out answers to questions, kind of a thing, he kind of loses it a little bit. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. With zero, but then immediately goes back to it. Like immediately goes back to the way he normally is because zero grounds him mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah, we talked about that. There are so many. There are so many characters in this, and so many people we're hearing this story from. Like we're. I assume it's present day. There's somebody going into like this graveyard, the mm-hmm. Lutz Cemetery. Yep. And there's the monument that just says author on it, you know, to our national treasure. And then it says author. And then it's got the, the bust on it. And it's got all these like hotel keys and stuff hanging on it. And there's a little kid that goes up. Well, yeah. Kid. Young girl. Yeah. That goes up and has a book, Grand Budapest Hotel and sits down and starts reading it. And then it cuts back to 1985 where he seems to be giving some kind of speech to camera. There's like a kid there. There's other stuff going on. And then it goes back again to 1968. So at some points you're hearing it from Jude Law, mm-hmm. who's the author in 1968. Sometimes you're hearing it from him from 1985. Sometimes you're hearing it from Zero from 1968. Those are the three primary narrators. And it seems to depend on, I guess, whose perspective it is, who who you would naturally be hearing something like this yeah. from. And the, the actor who plays Zero as an older man who owns this hotel, mm-hmm. F. Murray Abraham. Yeah. Who, whenever I see him, I think of Salieri from Amadeus, because my dad made me watch that when I was younger. It's a great, great movie. Mm-hmm. Could be one that we watch. Uh, but it's that's whenever I see him in anything... That's who I think of. Yeah. But yeah, he's he was good in this. Like everybody just fun. Yeah, and Zero's a great I mean, Zero is the primary character. That's where I'm going with this, is that even though we have all these narrators and these people that we're experiencing the story through, because it's not always following the same character, Zero is clearly the one that's bringing us into this world and he's supposed to be the most human. He's kind of <sighs> He's the glue that holds the story together. And I mean, obviously he's the one that brings it to the present day, but he's also the one that is working to help Monsieur Gustave and then help the hotel while Gustave is away and doing his stuff with Agatha. He's super active. Mm-hmm. And there are even several times where it hints at his past that he fled violence to come where he is. And then all this stuff is happening to him there, but they never linger on it they never dwell on it they never have any i don't know well, i one, can't think there's of a one moment where way. he describes it yeah. like what happens mm-hmm. and it's one of the moments that brings uh gustav back to reality yeah where like, he's kind of losing his shit mm-hmm. 
And then he even has this moment where he actually apologizes, but then he goes into like politician mode and he's like, I apologize on behalf of the hotel. He's like, my behavior is not up to the standards of the Grand Budapest. <laughs> but that's, that's how he frames it all in. And one of the things that I really liked about this character coming from a background of mo- lots of the jobs that I've done, most of it in my career has been some sort of customer service. Mm-hmm. I enjoy that. I've always enjoyed that. I always will enjoy that. I mean, there's. I think there's some sort of partially a noble pursuit in doing your best to make somebody else's day in whatever whatever your job is. However, you can do that in your job that, especially in a situation like a hotel, mm-hmm. where people are counting on everything to be perfect. They, especially when you got you're dealing with regulars, people who are there all the time, they expect. A certain, certain wake-up call. Yeah. They expect a certain meal, a drink, a this. Just small little things that you can do to show them that you are recognizing them as just an individual person. Mm-hmm. That it's... <coughs> I really appreciated just like what you mentioned with him. And, and on behalf of uh, the hotel, it's, you know, hold up a certain standard. And that's... I mean, that's why some businesses succeed versus fail. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's also, there seems to be, I, I've, it's not exactly like a psychological thing that I was watching, but it was this kind of like armchair psychology video that I was watching that was talking about depression and things that you deal with when you're stuck in quarantine and you're alone and all that. And they were saying that a good way to get yourself out of a funk is to find a way to be useful to somebody else. Like we, as People, as creatures, for whatever reason, we are, like, wired to want to be useful. Like, we want to be part of a society. We want to come home at the end of the day and say, I built this or I did this thing or Mm -hmm. I made this person feel better. And it's something that, you know, I don't do as much customer-facing stuff as you do. But, you know, there were times where I worked, like, a call center-type job. And it was really nice to be able to help somebody, to Mm -hmm. be like, oh, well, I'm actually more technical than the average person here and i can actually answer your question i can address your concern about product a versus product b or whatever and it's nice to have them go like oh thank you finally like somebody was able to help me or even down to something like uh when i see people out i try to be (sighs) kind Hmm? (laughs) i think that's the best i mean we're we're living through a period of history that is characterized by divisiveness and tribalism and i mean i don't know just a level of conflict i've never seen where if you like this and i like that we can't be friends anymore absolutely like we can it it it's not exactly arbitrary it's not as simple as like i like fluffernutters and you like peanut butter and banana sandwiches and now we can't be friends anymore but it almost feels like it's getting to that level it's like I've heard of people saying that they found out about somebody else's political beliefs one way or the other. And they're like, Oh, well I can't talk to this person anymore. And we, I don't, I don't know that we've ever been that way before. And I think the best approach is to just be kind. You know, they talk about being sensitive, being diverse, being inclusive, Mm -hmm. trying to unify. And it's like, when I really thought about it, I had to go back to my upbringing and just like the first lesson my parents and grandparents ever taught me, which is be nice to people. Golden rule. Treat others as you want to be treated. Absolutely. Like just, 
And it's so simple Mm -hmm. to just do something small that makes somebody's day better. Like just like you're Walmart, you're checking out and the cashier looks a little frazzled. Like, Hey, how's your day? Like, don't rush them. Don't just stand there and stare at them. Like interact with them a little bit. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it'll help. Or if, you know, you got a ton of groceries in your car. This happened to me just the other day. I had to grab just a couple of things and somebody was like, Hey, you can go in front of me. Yeah. And I do that if, if I have a bunch of stuff in my cart and somebody behind me has a couple things, go ahead and go. Yeah. That happens like, to me all the time. And it's so helpful. It is. It's really nice. Like if I need to go up and just get like some random shit that my girlfriend sends me to get that I cannot identify. So I've been searching the store because I don't know if this <laughs> is a liquid, a solid, a powder. I don't, you know, I'm lost and looking for an employee and then I have to wait in this big line. But people generally are pretty considerate. Yeah. I think. And it's still that way. That, but when I grew up, I felt that way that people are generally good, even with all the divisiveness, the everything that goes on right now, that people are generally good and want to do good things. Like I've talked to my kids about it. They'd see, you know, my daughters would see somebody with a really unique hairstyle or something, a shirt that they liked, earrings, whatever. Like, oh, those are really cool. I'm like, well, why don't you go tell them? Like say just, hey, that's really, I've done that several times to, uh, uh, checkers. And when I'm in the grocery store, because as a guy, I wear glasses, but I don't think men's glasses, they're, they're basic as hell. Like you don't get fancy with men's glasses. No, when I pick out a pair of glasses, it's like, what's not going to hurt and what's going to stay on my face. <laughs> right. But women's glasses are so many different styles, this, that. And if I see it, I was like, those are really unique. And it's really cool that you get to wear those. Those are really cool. I like to do that. But I've talked to my kids like, Hey, just just tell them. Just yeah. Say, just say so. Yeah. Like you don't know if that one thing is going to turn somebody's day around. Yeah. I had a shirt that was from Loot Crate way back before they had like a million different things. Mm-hmm. And it had Ewoks on it. Zombie Ewoks. And it said the, the Ewoking Dead. Uh-huh. Okay. It's a great shirt. And I was wearing it. I had to go into like the like the, the Apple store or something like that. I think I had an iPhone at the time. And one of the employees was like walking around. He was looking... And he looks at me and he goes, are you Ryan? I was like, yeah. And he goes, oh, they said gray shirt and jeans. Like they should have wrote E-Walking Dead. That shirt's amazing. You're totally right. Like multiple people that day mm-hmm. commented on that shirt. And it's like, yeah, that <laughs> it does feel good. It's nothing major. You didn't go out of your way to do it. You're not really interrupting anything important that you're doing. But small things like that can make somebody's day. And that's what I felt with. Mr. Gustave. Him in this movie. That yeah. he would... Like, he loved doing what he did. Mm-hmm. He loved his job. And he loved the patrons. The guests of his hotel. Like, genuinely, I care about these people. And I want the best for them. And I think nowadays, there's so many get-you-in-and-get-you-out situations that when somebody has genuinely good customer service... I my at least personally I'm like I am almost blown away by it like mm-hmm. oh wow thank you for not only being competent at your job because that in and of itself can be hard to come by sometimes all all people have to do is try and mm-hmm. that's what he did in this movie he tried when you do your job whatever your job is out there people it doesn't matter what your job is tomorrow after you've listened to this when you go to work try like do your job as well as you can mm-hmm. I'm working in a new job where I have to, I'm, I'm around older individuals. 
all the all the time. We're in it's it's its own retirement community. I'm around old people, but I don't I don't treat them as secondhand citizens. I talk to them, I interact with them. And, you know, if I try and make their day, it's hard enough to be just in that building all the time because that's where you're stuck. Oh, yeah. Let alone to be stuck in your room because of COVID. Imagine yeah. you have one room and you're stuck in it all day, every day. Ugh, that would just that would get real old real fast. And so, you know, try and do your best. It's not just go out, do it tomorrow. Do your best, people. Because yeah. that's you know, technically somebody's paying you and they're paying you to do your best. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And even if you're not working, just do something nice for somebody. Hmm? I mean, we see on the news all the time that they're you know, these random things that happen to people that are terrible. Do something nice for somebody that didn't expect it. Yep. Leave a slightly bigger tip than you would have if you're able to go to a restaurant or just, I don't know. Like when you're, when you're in line at your Starbucks, pay for the person behind you. And that, yeah, kindness can stick in your mind. And it doesn't, doesn't have to be money. Don't have, doesn't have to be a monetary thing. Just do something. Maybe you have a neighbor and you know what? Can I rake your leaves for you? Can just a little time. Mm -hmm. It's usually time. Shovel snow. Yeah. Like I've done just, that. I, I was walking down the street one time and there was this older lady trying to get into her driveway and it was all iced up and snowy and she just couldn't get there. She was driving like an older Buick or something like that. And I was like, can I, can I help you? And she was like, well, I don't, I don't have any cash or anything. And I was like, just, I got annoyed. I was like, just give me the shovel lady. <laughs> just shoveled it away enough. It's like, you think you can get up this? She was like, yeah, she'll be able to. And she got right up. I was like, and that's later. it. You, I you never just do saw it. her again. You don't have to. Yeah. Just just because. And that, I mean, it was always one of my very favorite things. I mean, having a really busy day at work where you wait tables and you make a ton of money. Yeah, that's great. But when somebody comes in and you can tell they're in a bad mood, but you don't know what happened. You don't know somebody died. You, somebody got a diagnosis for cancer. You don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. But if through just being competent in my job and treating them like a person and interacting in whatever way, if I can make them have a slightly better day, that was the, there was no greater accomplishment in my day than that. Yeah. That was, that was why I got out of bed in the morning to do that job because of moments like that. I wonder if this is the point of this movie, the way we're feeling and the way we're talking about it right now to make you feel these, I think he, what does he refer to it as? Glimmers of, civilization or hope or something like that. Yeah. Cause that's a lot of what it's about. It's holding on to the little things. The big things that happen don't make that much of a difference. It's the people, the connections you make, some of these smaller moments are what you need to hold on to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's really going back to the movie. There's, there's not a lot to complain about with it. I'm, I'm actually curious after this, I'm going to go, probably watch some other reviews and see what other people have said about it. Cause I don't, I don't think I've ever seen a review for it and I purposely never watch reviews for anything that we're talking about. It. Yeah. This was, I would like to do that as well and see what other people said about it. Yeah. Because it's, it was just well done. And I, I don't know if it's going to be a movie for everybody, but it's, it's going to be really hard for me to pick who it's not a movie for because it's just, if, if you like something fun, funny, witty, makes you think in certain situations. <laughs> yeah. Just all of it. The the acting is amazing. The directing, the cinematography, the things we've already talked about. The, those the are all amazing. The dialogue is movie. so good. It's so good. Yeah. 
It doesn't even feel unnatural. We're talking about how sophisticated the language is, but it it never feels out of place. Nope. It feels correct. The way each character talks mm-hmm. feels correct. Yeah, this, the whole world of this movie is yeah. just, it really does suck you in. Mm-hmm. And even some of the ridiculous things, the animated sped up things just for comedic purposes, it's it's all great. Yeah. So I think I think we're going to easily make this a this is a watch. This is a recommend. Totally. Absolutely. And not even like just if you happen to have access to it. You know? Yeah, find it. Like yeah, find it. Do something to find it. I mm-hmm. would say it's totally worth your time to track it down, either a physical copy or iTunes or whatever else. Maybe you have an actual family video near you. Those are that's a video store that's still open as far as I know. The one oh. near me shut down. Ugh. But right now, <laughs> the Grand Budapest Hotel. Get out, watch it. All right. Well, I think that's all I've got. So, if any of you want to reach out to us, suggestions, questions, anything you want to say, we're on Twitter at MovieHowl, and you can reach us by old fashioned email at moviehowl at gmail.com. So, if you got anything else, any final thoughts? No, that's it for me. Watch this movie. That's it. That's totally. my final thought. All right. Thanks again for joining us and listening to us rant and rave, and this time just heaping praise on this movie. Basically. (laughs) Yep. Thank you. We appreciate you listening. I'm Ryan. I'm Joe. And we'll catch you in the next one. Yep. Yep.